The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This with Leanne podcast and are for purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from Insider Closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Phillipson. We all have questions, or maybe I'm projecting in that it's just me that constantly wants to do a deep dive into things that can positively or negatively affect our health. Yes. It's just As you. you're here. It's always been just you. It's just you. Yeah, but our lovely, loyal listeners are here, and they keep on going back. <laughs> That's true. But I can't see the loyal listeners, uh, right? I know. They're, they're, they're not I in know. my peripheral. I know they're out there. I know they're listening intently. I know they're probably I thinking, know. what a moron. But... I can't see them. So, <laughs> so Well, for anyone quickly that doesn't know whose voice this is, because you think you're you, you think that you're just gonna hear Leanne, this is my amazing wizard executive producer, Chris Kant, who just oh. injects and just makes us laugh all the time. When you started there with you amazing go. and all that, I wasn't sure you were talking about me. I thought maybe it was somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> You are an integral part of this on every single level, my friend. Anyway, people want to know answers. But sometimes the interesting thing is, is that you don't actually know what question to ask, even though when you hear it and then you hear an answer, you're like, wow, I need to know that. But you didn't actually know. Well, you might might find that happening today as I answer questions that my lovely loyal listeners have asked in emails and in social media comments. They sometimes come in thick and fast after an episode, and that absolutely happened recently. So today on Eat This with Leanne, your questions about my glucose monitor that I've got in my arm, how to deal with your belly fat and what it's doing to you before you get there, and a follow-up to last week's episode 148 about boosting what's in your cup and all the plastics that can get into your cup from your coffee maker and more and how to eliminate them. All right, so let's first talk about my glucose monitor. Chris, I've had so many people reach out. How did you get it? What are you doing with it? What about the U.S. version? I've mentioned Levels, which is a U.S. company that have just brought out an app, which is just tremendous. I want their information, but we live in Canada and we can't have it. And just... There's so much more to come on this, but I just, like I said, I wanted to do a quick one and answer the questions. Now, I sent that unit to you, Chris. He just (laughs) got his box today with not only the unit, he's being a sport. He's going to shove it in his arm as well. I want a video of once you open the, the, the little gizmo and have a look at it, please. Okay. I gotta say, it's daunting. Okay. So you made, you made one little mistake already. And that is you put the monitor in the box that you uh, mailed to me, but it was buried under a load of buttery shortbread. So to be honest, I haven't even gotten to the, 
monitor yet. I'm still eating the shortbread. <laughs> well, you have to save one piece because I think I'm hoping on an episode we can eat the shortbread together and monitor our glucose. Okay. We actually go back and do the proper an- analysis right. of what happens when you have one of these things on your arm. Okay, so here's the dilemma. The dilemma is that unless we're doing the show in the next 24 hours, I can't promise that the shortbread is going to survive. <laughs> okay. So, well, it comes from the market that I go to every week. So just in case, I'll get another store on hand because, you know, my my store in my freezer, yeah. my backup, it's okay. We're covered. We got enough shortbread. But I have not tested my shortbread on myself with my glucose monitor because I still have my head in the sand a little bit about that one. And I don't really want to know. That's a big one for you. You love that shortbread. So the fact that you yeah. have the, uh, the ability to just sit there and know that it's there, Whispering yep. your name, Leanne. Mm-hmm. Leanne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, there's resistance in everyone, <laughs> wow. including including me. Yeah, right? yeah. Chris, I'm gonna ask that you kind of do the same thing, even though I are you a bit resistant to this too? Oh, are you a bit worried. I'm hugely resistant. I I do not want to know as as much as you find it absolutely fascinating. Because lo- <laughs> if if your baseline is somewhere in the middle. I'm up in the Himalayas somewhere. Like, that's where my baseline is. <laughs> it has to be. She, you, she, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not talking to you. I'm going to talk to our listeners right now. Okay. You just stay out of it. She sent me. Okay, fine. <laughs> she, we're not talking right now for at least 10 seconds. Um, okay. she sent me whiskey chocolate chip cookies. The cookie has whiskey and chocolate and it has almonds in it too, which is, uh, weird because I'm allergic, allergic to, to. To, to peanut to all nuts. But here you are trying to preach to me to be healthy every day, and you're sending me whiskey chocolate chip cookies. How it's in the in the vein of research? Okay, data. We're gonna get data from this. Yeah. So I thought my thinking was you might as well have fun. I knew that you enjoy the whiskey <laughs> would enjoy the whiskey cookies. Then you might as well have a really good last meal. All right. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to share the process. Obviously, I've got a lot to say about this, but really what we need is we need an expert. And that's what I'm trying to put together for us to have a whole episode about what happens. Is this normal? How do we take this data and really use it to move the needle of health forward? So what I want to share is, especially for Canadians, because we've got a large Canadian base of uh, audience, before Christmas, I made an appointment with my GP and I asked for a prescription for a glucose monitor. Now, not surprisingly, she's like, "Uh, why? Why do you want this? And I said, well, I'm a registered nutritionist. I had my DNA tested and my results showed that I'm predisposed to diabetes and I basically want to stay out of your office. So she said, okay, all right, well, how much do you need? So I said, I have a, uh, please, could I have a month? Let's try. And that's actually two boxes or two units. Actually, at the time, I didn't even think that I could go into the drugstore and buy one. So I thought I needed a prescription, which is not the case. Anyone, especially in Canada, can walk into your local drugstore and ask for a Libra 2, which is the unit that you can find in Canada. Libra 3 is the continuous glucose monitor, which is available in the U.S. and some other countries. The difference between the Libra 2, which is called a flash glucose monitor, is that you have to open the app, hit scan, and then take your phone and hover it over the unit. The two of them talk to each other, and then you get your reading. 
the Libra 3 just talks to your phone all the time. So you open the app and you see exactly where you're at. You see where you've been and it just tracks it all the time. So also because I have a prescription and I have extended health benefits here in Canada, it fully covers my flash glucose monitors. So I'm using this prophylactically in advance to try and avoid getting into that insulin resistance into that into that diabetic type state because I think I'm doing a pretty good job but until we get data on it we're not exactly sure once you've downloaded the Libra 2 app now you must know that you have to actually scan every 8 hours whether you've eaten or not, I'm sure you've eaten within eight hours, but you have to do that. Otherwise, you'll have a gap in your reading. So it's like the unit can hold on to eight hours of information. You scan it. And then after that, then it will then it will upload. So then off you go. So it's actually pretty easy to use. Deciphering the information, that's really like the next step that we're going to go towards. When I eat something, then I go in, I, I open it up, I I tap, then you can add in notes. So I'll write in what it is that I've had, an apple, an apple with almond butter. I tried, uh, maybe if I've tried apple cider vinegar first, or I did an experiment with cake to see what would happen. And then that has already driven my decisions on what I'm eating. These little monitors, they come from Abbott Pharmaceuticals. And like I said, that CGM version, that's continuous glucose version, should, according to a website, be available, should have been available at the end of 2022, but it's not yet. I actually called Abbott and they don't have a date, but said hopefully within six months. Now, once you actually get the unit, it looks pretty daunting. Just telling you, Chris, when you get to the bottom of that box under all the cookies and you think you open it up, you have a look at this little tiny filament that comes out of it and you think, oh, my God, that little. And it looks like a needle, but it's not. It's very soft. And just go to YouTube or uh, the Libra page on the Abbott uh, website and it shows you exactly what to do, where to put it. And it's a bit, like I said, it's daunting. It's a bit scary, but you don't feel it. After I shoot it in my arm, then I have a waterproof bandage that I just picked up from the drugstore as well. And I cover it because after the first time I put one on, I put my clothes on, everything was fine. And then I walked down the hall and then I somehow whacked my arm on the side of a doorway. And I was like, oh, that didn't feel so good. And I was worried that it was going to come off. It hasn't come off. So anyway, I stuck this stuck this thing on it. And then uh, it seems to stay in place quite easily. There's all sorts of FAQs. What do you do if it falls off and all those kind of things? You do not put it back on from what I've read. So once I've had something to eat, or I'll, I'll scan myself as I'm about to eat. Then I scan about 30, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes. And then depending on what I'm up to, if I remember to go back two hours later and have a look. So like I said, I was scanning machine when I first started. And now I'm starting to get a little bit of an idea of what's going on. So then you can go ahead and you can test things like apples or bananas, or you can just anything that you happen to have and you start, I have started to get an understanding, this fascinating exercise and data. I'm getting to know my body even better and how I respond to these foods, these drinks, and I can take action to stabilize and then see what happens. So far, and I've been had two just into my third unit on my arm now, I know that I've lost weight. My clothes are fitting better. I don't have a scale, so I can't tell. I know that I was 
you know, I was kind of in the realm of needing to lose about half a stone, which is about seven pounds. That's my British coming out in me. So, uh, so that's, I'm just going to see what happens. I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm trying to stabilize my blood sugar. Right, back to another question. Now, this might deserve its own episode, but I want to get you the answers that I know really, you know, that are just, you're like, I just, I want to know now. You've intrigued me. I've, you know, got my interest up. So a lovely loyal listener, GW, he's got a great question that I know a lot of other people are probably dealing with, and he's looking for help and he wants help quick. GW, he asked about his belly fat. And while he's maintained his weight for years, he's 67, he learned about detoxifying recently in a workshop and shared that he also heard that when John Wayne died, they said he had 24 pounds of crap in his colon. Well, I just want to make it super clear that what's in your colon is not the same as the visceral fat that is the most dangerous type of fat that surrounds your organs, your kidney, your liver, everything that's in your abdomen. It's the number one cause of aging, increasing risk of blood clots that can lead to heart attack and stroke. It drives inflammation and releases its own hormones. It's like its own little hormone factory in there. And most of us, already, our hormones are a little out of whack at times and we don't need any more hormones to unbalance us. Belly fat also drives insulin resistance. If you haven't heard that before, that's when your cells don't respond to insulin, which is what takes glucose, takes your last meal, takes your carbs, and shoves it into the cells, which is where you burn it as energy. And when that doesn't happen, you need more and more and more insulin that's produced and hello, type 2 diabetes. Now, this visceral fat can also change your brain chemistry as hundreds of molecules are produced by these fat cells. Dementia and Alzheimer's are linked to belly fat and also called type 3 diabetes, which is insulin resistance of the brain. So in short, belly fat can mess you right up and can seriously be a driving force towards premature death. You forgot a few things. Belly fat is also makes it difficult to get out of bed in the morning. It also throws off your center of gravity. It makes tying your shoes or putting on socks, pretty much anything around the foot region difficult to do. I mean, I make light of the fact that I am now I've I've come to to love my belly fat because I, yeah. I feel like we're together forever. But yeah, it's uh it's one of those things where my father was a perfect example of a man who always had it. He was a big man, not tall, but big in the belly, but right. solid. Right. When you and lots of folks, when they think belly fat, they think sort of blubbery or flubbery or kind of a lot of movement. Dad, dad didn't. Jiggly his wiggly. his, his yep. was solid. It was like walking into a brick wall that I always remember thinking, yeah, dad's big. But man, it's it, it wasn't like a pillow. It was it was it was, it was different. Yeah. It was like memory foam almost. It was it was different. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, as a woman, 51 years old in perimenopause, I would maybe, you know, kind of put on a little bit of weight, but it was a little more global, Mm. sort of like everywhere. All over, yeah. And and then during this perimenopause time, I have noticed a hard belly. 
my belly, it doesn't like it, it is a different kind of fat that is right there. Like when I bend over, like you said, Chris, or I do, you know, a yoga pose or something, it's like this whole fat unit moves. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what is that? I have not experienced that before. <laughs> Hence the glucose monitor right. and checking out how can we do this? You know, how can I, uh, you know, how can I reverse this? So I'm experimenting really is what I'm doing with understanding where I'm at with insulin resistance. I have not had any blood tests done. I'm just using the glucose monitor. But for everyone out there that has this belly fat and you think I have tried everything to deal with this, whether it's a cleanse or, you know, you've changed up your diet or you think you're doing the right kind of thing, then there's just a whole bunch of stuff that is going on in the background that we really need to address. Now, one of the contributing factors of belly fat is liquid calories. Sugar calories are bad and liquid calories are even worse. Now, these come from high fructose corn syrup, glucose, fructose, which are the worst. Now, when sugars, any kind of sugars are not in the matrix of their food, right? So that's natural stuff like fiber or protein or fat. Well, they end up as just pure sugar. And often it's pure fructose, which is like when you just drink your fruit juice that you had for breakfast thinking, oh, I'm going to get my vitamin C for the day. Or if you've had worse, my gosh, if you've had pop, that's high fructose corn syrup, and that's up to 75% fructose. Body does not know how to do, how to deal with this, with the quantities that we're having. And what happens is these sugars quickly get absorbed because there's nothing buffering their absorption, nothing to slow it down. Apple juice versus an apple are two complete entities. The, they spike your blood sugar, which also creates a spike in insulin. And that creates the flood, this flood, like just whoosh, look out, here it comes into your bloodstream and hopefully into your cells, but they can't get in there. So... It goes right to your belly fat and doesn't go into your butt, your arm, your pinky finger, your earlobe, or your big toe. It goes right into that belly fat. So to do with this sugar that I'm talking about, this liquid stuff, the way in which you have white bread versus either sourdough or whole grain or white rice versus uh, brown rice, again, that comes down to this fiber. It's like you've got these naked carbohydrates that don't have their fiber suit on, which takes more digestion and slows down that release. So it's really important to eat whole grains. And this really is the reason why. And when you're having anything that's refined, anything that is white, it's going to have a similar effect on this cellular level as having juice versus the actual apple. So really, really important to to understand that that's why you keep on hearing me and everybody else go on about don't eat the white stuff, you know, and with my tests that I just talked about in having cake, not only was it white cake, but it was also all this sugary icing on top. It was a pure flood straight to my belly that I'm trying to 
eliminate. So it just got a big, huge buffer of like, hey, Leanne, you know, let's just store this in here because my body, my cells don't know what to do with it. And because I ended up with a bunch of acne and a rash on my face after I had the damn cake, my liver was also having difficulty processing it in order to get it out. Well, that's your so, pa- that's your punishment for not having any of this stuff on a regular basis. See, if you're like me, my body's so used to having cake that it, when it gets in there, it, whether it's asparagus or cake, it just treats it the same way every like every time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's so used to it. Well, it's like it's like being a bodybuilder or like um, a, a health nut your entire life, right? And it's clean and it's beautiful. And then you have one Twinkie and that's it. You're done. Right. Because uh-huh. your body is in shock, in absolute shock. You know, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, what in the world is this? It's almost mm-hmm. like having cocaine for the first time. If you're not used to sugar. Right. And folks have yeah. all of a sudden you flood your body with with that sugar. Your body's going to react like, wow. Right. It's like getting on a roller coaster. And here we go. Yeah. You know, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That, like my I watched my blood sugar and I tested it out twice with apple cider vinegar in the beginning and I'll, and I'll share those results after. But what happened after that was showing on a, another level of what was happening. So my liver and my kidneys were not keeping up with all of this extra. And there was colors. Like I went for it. It wasn't like a healthy Good. cake at all, yeah. at all. <laughs> Good for you. And I think it had <laughs> even had uh, uh, Oreos in it or something like that. I don't know. I, I don't like that stuff anyway. So I was like, okay, this is, you know, in the vein of science. Let me see what happens. But my skin, it showed on my skin, yeah. which is a detoxification pathway, whether we like it or not. Today on Eat This with Leanne, your questions about how to deal with your belly fat and what it's doing to you before you get there, and a follow-up to last week's episode 148 about boosting what's in your cup and all the plastics that can get into your cup from your coffee maker and more and how to eliminate them. All right, we're talking about GW and his issues of his belly fat because he wants to know with one of our lovely loyal, lovely loyal listener questions. Sometimes that's hard to say in one go. All right, so another driver of belly fat for uh, for anyone, including myself, I'm definitely going to put myself into this category seeing as my diet is fairly clean. I'm going to say like at least 80% clean most of the time, and it's stress. Now, stress as a driver of belly fat happens from the excess cortisol that sends signals through your vagus nerve and your parasympathetic nervous system to your fat cells. Now, for more on the vagus nerve, if this is the first time you're hearing of it, head back and search for episodes 86 and 88 on any podcast platform. You got to know that this is a podcast first, even if you're listening to this on radio, which basically means you can go back and listen again. So never eat a meal if you're stressed because your nervous system signals get completely crossed and tell your fat cells to store what you're eating as fat. How many people out there are stress eaters? That's what they do. They eat when they're stressed. Yeah. I have been under a tremendous amount of stress, more stress, maybe even more stress than going through a divorce, which was awful. Um, Over the last few years, especially to do with my daughter and her mental health challenges, Mm -hmm. you know, off we go to the hospital again. 
and again and again. And as a mom watching your kid go through this, holy stress. Minimal amount of sleep. That's another one. I'll come on to that in a second. But wow, just incredible. So no wonder I've got this belly fat going on. And, you know, we're talking about GW, who's a man. So a little different to females and our, you know, and our estrogen and our progesterone and the 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 menstrual cycle and menopause. And I'm fingers crossed in February, we're going to talk to someone all about that for women. So look out for that one coming up too. But understanding the effects of stress, we've, you know, we've talked about many times in this episode, but really, so you get, get a picture of this, cortisol, which raises your blood sugar, also raises insulin. And as I just explained, like it just heads straight for your belly. Now, when you get into a lack of sleep situation, four hours, five hours, six hours, or like Dr. Brockenshire just shared when he talked about insulin uh, sensitivity or insulin, um, what was that term, Chris? Insulin um, starts with an R. Oh, resistance. Menopause brain. Uh, Resilience. Resilience. There's another word. Flexibility. Insulin flexibility. That's it. That's what that's what it was. Now he talked about getting twenty percent of your sleep as REM sleep, twenty percent of your sleep as deep sleep, and then the rest you can go in and out. I've tracked my sleep, and my most of my deep sleep is around between two and eleven percent. Belly fat, right there. Right. That's another diagnostic tool to understand. My REM sleep, generally speaking, is pretty good, but now I need to work on my deep sleep. How? Not sure yet, but I'll let you know once I know. So this driver, this lack of sleep as a driver of cortisol, go back and listen to episode 85, where we talked about good sleep habits so that you can get yourself into this loop of go to bed. How can I sleep more, more, uh, get deeper sleep or REM sleep, whatever it is that, 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 uh, that you need more of, whether it's an aura ring an Apple Watch or some sort of device so that you can see what you're doing. Again, data is really, really important. Okay, so let's just quickly recap because there's a lot of information there. So excess amounts of sugar, liquid sugar, processed foods, refined, white, anything basically spikes your blood sugar level and then that spikes your insulin. When you get so much insulin, that's what leads to insulin resistance. All that glucose that's circulating in your bloodstream after a meal needs to go into the cell and burn as your, you know, like as your engine on a train. That's what it's supposed to do. Now, both fat and and sugar and just it just goes, sorry, just sugar turns into fat because of this situation. It, when your body has this cycle going on and on with so much insulin spike spiking because of your blood sugar spiking, then it sends that sugar into your fat cells and locks them in. Now that then slows down your metabolism, which again, we talked about a couple of times with Dr. Brockenshire, creates inflammation, hello, heart disease, and also makes you hungry. So you're on this crazy loop that's going round and around and around just by eating these sugary foods that increase because of this blood sugar spike. Now, food is information to your body and really how it takes it in and the response that follows is really what I'm trying to get you into. So GW, 
your first steps is to change your diet to whole foods, nothing white at all, or anything that's anti-inflammatory, which means that you have all those colorful produce foods, the blueberries, the beets, the purple cabbage, the, the oranges from the peppers, the sweet potatoes. They're also really rich in phytonutrients. My Kid Boost and Skin Boost is a super food powder that you can also take. Then you also need protein-rich foods, high fiber, high quality quality fats into your diet every single day. Now, time-restricted eating can also help. So intermittent fasting, we talked about that in episode 80. And start by getting yourself from a 12-hour fast, so you finish your last meal at, say, 7 o'clock, and you start at 7 in the morning, and then push that. Keep on pushing it to get to the 16-hour fast and eight hours of eating just by pushing it every 30 minutes, every two 60 minutes a day while ditching anything that's in a bag that has a barcode or comes in a box. Only whole foods that get protein and fats like olive oil, avocado, nuts, and seeds with every single mouthful and consider a glucose monitor like I mentioned off the start of this episode and show. Now, Dr. Mark Hyman, he's got a book called The 10-Day Detox that's specifically for blood sugar balance. So I recommend that that's a great resource for you to get started with GW as a structure. A lot of people need structure and they need to understand what is good or not good. I'll link to a page over on leannephillipson.com to get you started. So some of the foods, let's talk about a meal that you could possibly have to start this process. So my favorite thing to do, and I've talked about mushrooms so much on episode 131 no, and 132. You have I know, not. Right? Please so tell I me about have... mushrooms. Do tell. What about no, mushrooms? Come I'm on. i tell you about mushrooms, lion's mane, for your brain, reishi to help you sleep, chaga to give you energy in the morning, cordyceps, if you really want to keep going. I have them all going know, in now. It's insane. It's so good. And they do they really, really do help. Mushrooms, that goes in the bottom of my plate, right? So I just have a bed of chopped up mushrooms that I've had in the frying pan with butter or avocado oil. I've tried that out a few times lately. Then on top of that is some lovely wilted greens. You can get those pretty much anywhere. It does not have to be romaine, romaine lettuce. It costs a small fortune. It can be dandelion greens. It can be kale if you like. I don't really do too much kale, but spinach, charred and then I have an egg on the side. I quite like halloumi cheese that really gives a great flavor and that all piles on top. Then I add on my black garlic. I'll do like a drizzle of sriracha something or another just to jazz it up. A little bit of olive oil on top of that and that is good to go. In my efforts of trying to figure things out, I did also make some like let's call it sweet potato toast. So I took a sweet potato and I did it into long slices and then I just baked it and then I held on to that and then that uh, went underneath my mushrooms and then that made a whole other more filling uh, meal. So that's the perfect thing to break your fast once you get to that place where you're going for 10 hours, even 12 and then up to 16 hours so that you're getting the fat, the protein and the fiber going in. So really, really important. And what I have found by starting off with that is that I am stable. I watch my blood sugar levels. It goes up and it comes back down. Less like the biggest roller coaster that you can put yourself on and more like the stuff in the kids section of the amusement park that you go to. 
So you're not having massive spikes and therefore massive crashes. So it is important on how you balance these kind of things. You'll be amazed at how good you feel. Your brain's going to tell you that you want this because it's comfort, because it's a habit. Just say, I'm doing an experiment and I'm going to last a day without my cookies, without my extras, without my sugar, without my white stuff. And I know you can do it. So a quick update as our last question uh, that I want to deal with actually came from Bridget Longhorn, the founder and CEO of Giddy Yo. We talked about her clean coffee or clean drinks. How can you boost up your drink? Not only, but this clean wave of coffee that she's trying to get out there to all of us. And what we didn't get to speak about was the plastic that can also get into your mug. Now that can come from these new fandangled, really cool shaped tea bags, but also how are you making your coffee? What kind of coffee maker have you got at home, Chris? Uh, you mean the brand? Uh, not really. Like what? What? Tell me what is the structure? Uh, it's, is uh, is it's it like a, an espresso maker? No, no, with, just an old fashioned. Steel? Yeah, just an old fashioned uh, drip coffee, right? Not, you, you know what you grew up with. Uh, yep. You put the coffee into the above the the carafe, and yep. the hot water drips into the coffee, and it filters through. That's basically yep. it. And you flip the plastic lid up. On the hot water in? Yes, yes. 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 Yeah. So there's a fairly large portion of your coffee maker, other than the glass carafe, I would imagine. That glass carafe, a bit of stainless steel for, you know, to make it look pretty on the outside. Otherwise, all plastic. Yes. Yeah. And how about your kettle? Oh, kettle. Well, kettle is glass. It's, uh, It's one of those. It has a, I guess it has a plastic lid. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a bit of a seal to it, but it's one of those ones that you you put on a almost like a hot pad, and okay. it boils the kettle. So it doesn't go on the stove. Okay. It actually boils on a sort of a hot pad that you plug into the wall, and you set it for whatever temperature you want. Yeah. Now, as everyone's listening to Chris explain this, I just realized this morning that I I have what's called an AeroPress, where you make like an individual espresso. And the whole thing is plastic. Yeah. I've even prepped prepped for this episode and then go and make myself a clean coffee to come into the closet and record this. I'm like, it wasn't, oh my God. It wasn't it's clean. It's plastic. It wasn't clean. It's not clean. <laughs> it's in there super quick because it's making one coffee. Right. How And I have a kettle that goes up to coffee temperature. So it doesn't go to like 212 degrees. uh, So it goes to less and I can adjust the temperature of it. But still, oh my gosh, the statistics on how plastics are liberated is crazy. Now, Bridget, in her brilliance, her company is focusing on clean food, like chocolate and coffee. Yes, she calls all of that food. But there are many steps to making a drink and putting it into your mug. So first, it's important to have clean, filtered water. Now, that really does affect the taste. And we talked about that on episode uh, 61 when we uh, when we went through all about the Berkey system, which is a, a filtering system that I have. Now, microplastics, they can get into your mug from these new fandangled plastic tea bags, these little triangles. They look really pretty uh, and they keep their shape, but they're made of l- nylon polyethylene terephthalate or PET. Can you believe it? McGill University 
they did some research and found that a single plastic tea bag brewed at 95 degrees Celsius released more than 11 billion microplastics and more than 3 billion nanoplastics into a single cup. Now, no plastic is good for us, none at all. And it really is a huge concern for the world as the oceans have all plastics in them and everything's washing up. You've seen the pictures on social media or on the news. It's horrendous. Any plastic that has heat in it can release these micro and nanoplastics. So you want to have a look at what are the small things that you can do to reduce this amount? You know, how much plastic moves through the water that then gets into your mug. If it's a plastic lid on your kettle, I think my mine, even though I have a stainless steel uh, kettle, the pla- the lid could be plastic, just like yours, Chris. I think it's pretty common to have that because otherwise it's going to be hot once the water's boiled, right? If you flip that lid up again, so there's probably some thinking in terms of keeping you safe on that. But then there's there's also where you pour your boiling water into, and in my little arrow press thing, I'm pouring it into plastic. Ah! We know that if you leave a water bottle in your car, that's not good because, especially in the summertime, your plastic water bottle gets hot and then the plastics transfer into into your water. Now, loose leaf tea transfers nothing. I do also have just a glass jug with a metal filter, and I can't remember the name of that. Um, not being a complete coffee expert. So that I know is completely safe going through a metal filter into a glass jug. So that's a really, it's like a pour over or something like that it's called. So loose leaf tea bags, they don't give anything off at all. No plastics whatsoever. So if you're not used to having tea and a teapot or a strainer, maybe it's time to get something like that. And no plastic teapots. Everything that you get when you make tea is going to be in, what's that called, Chris? China? China? Your teapots are made of? Porcelain. Isn't it? Maybe if you got if you got a fancy one. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just they're just not made of plastic. There's no plastic in a teapot that I have in my home. Being being British, I've got all this other stuff. No, you'll find it and, on the handle, the lid, on the base, uh, on the outside, yeah. on the base. But yeah, nothing on the inside. That would be weird. Yeah. So, if you're a tea drinker like me, then maybe it's time to switch over more to this loose leaf tea. And even if you've got your typical paper tea tea bags, sometimes depending on the size of them, just take them out, have a look at it, kind of pull it apart or whatever. See if it's if it's just a staple at the top, then there's no glue in there because otherwise you're getting a lot more, maybe plastic, maybe mycoplastics, maybe nanoplastics from that glue as well. Especially if you're like me and you leave your tea bag in the cup for a really long time to extra steep it so that you have a stronger cup of tea. Like I said, water bottles left in your car, hot or cold. And when was the last time they actually microwaved something in plastic? That's a no, 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 no. So have a think about the plastic, what could be transferring into what you're having. And that was something that Bridget really wanted to highlight and make sure that we talked about on a subsequent episode. Because if you've got clean coffee going in and you're adding in plastic, we're not wedding. <music> All right. 
So there's some answers to your questions. Then you can head back and listen to all of these because sometimes I get questions of I just missed what was that that somebody said so know that because even if you're listening to this on radio it is a podcast and you'll find it on any of the podcast platforms by searching for eat this with Leanne right now this is episode 149 but I also mentioned a whole bunch of other episode numbers which you can search back and find those so it's a great opportunity to go back let something sink in a little bit deeper and sometimes it's in a longer form to what you hear on the radio because Chris doesn't have to edit it to fit into the hour-long radio show. All scripts and show notes are available over on leannephillipson.com. And if you've got a question that you also want to ask me, you can head over to leannephillipson.com or sproutright.com and and send me off a question. Follow me on social media and on all those podcast platforms. Make sure that you subscribe. And then as soon as a new episode comes out, off you go. You're away to the races. So I'll finish off as I always do. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being open to learning and having a giggle all at the same time. Now, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs>